When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Minnesota leading the way in Philly right now. Seven to three. Thursday night football is on our screens. Football is on our screens. That's what really matters here. Amber and Ian's presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at progressive.com. Com. Gabe Neitzel filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight at G Neitzel 16. That's how you find him at Amber W Sports. That is how you find me, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressives. Lots of football on our screens right now. Lots more football that we're going to see on our screens this weekend. It might not look pretty if you're a New York Jets fan because they're going up against that Dallas Cowboys defense. Zach Wilson is going to be under center for the New York Jets. They're not going to have a Hall of Famer, a future Hall of Famer, Gabe, under center for the Jets. It's going to be Zach Wilson. So he was. Book's already out. Apparently, Zach Wilson can't be a future Hall of Famer. You know, you have a point. He could. (laughs) He could. The jury, he was the second overall pick. You know, crazier things have happened. Maybe he makes a weird leap. I don't know. That's true, and if anybody was going to predict that, it would probably be me because somehow I have become the resident Zach Wilson defender here at ESPN Radio, which has just been a strange turn that my career has taken. (laughs) Zach Wilson, 14 of 21, and that went over the Bills, 140 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He didn't need to do much of anything in that game except for stay alive and don't totally mess it up, right? I mean, the interception was incredibly ugly that Zach Wilson threw, and interceptions are a problem. Against the Dallas Cowboys, I don't know what you can expect from Zach. Stay alive? Yeah, like, that's I think what that's you it. hope against that D-line. I think it's stay alive. And even his touchdown pass on, on Monday night, it's not like it was a great throw. No, like, no. Anyway, Wilson, but it counts. It counts. Babe. It does it count. Counts. I mean, Garrett Wilson had to play defensive back and make sure right. the defender didn't pick it off, and then somehow ended up catching the pass. I I don't know what you do if you're the Jets this weekend against that Cowboys defense that flies around. I mean, you might be going up uh, against you know the the second best defense in the league, third best. But I mean, Maybe the Jets the are certainly up there. Yes, the Jets the Jets defense is certainly up there. The Niners defense is up there. Mm-hmm. That Cowboys defense with, with Micah Parsons flying around, and especially after what happened to your starting quarterback because of your poor offensive line play. I mean, I think you just got to try to run the ball as much in as much as you can and try to minimize the impact that Zach Wilson has on the game. I mean, Dan I, I think Quinn, that's all you can do. That's all you can do. Dan Quinn's defense got a, a, an over in week one, so they could end up being the best defense this year in the league. It, it, Zach Wilson's walking into an impossible situation, a really, really difficult situation. Frankly, what he walked into in week one was in an unbelievably difficult situation. And what I will say about Zach Wilson's career is difficult seems to be a theme throughout his career. The reason that I ended up being such a Zach Wilson defender last season wasn't that I thought Zach Wilson was necessarily great or even going to be great. I just felt like the Jets weren't 
giving him the opportunity to really decide what they have there for a guy that they at one point believed in enough to take him second overall in the draft. I didn't like the toggling back and forth with Mike White. I thought you're crushing the confidence of a very young quarterback in Zach Wilson and at least ride it out with him, even if he's going to fail over and over and over again because you weren't winning a Super Bowl with Mike White anyways. So what the hell was the point of all of that? And frankly, looking back on it, I think it was even a worse decision than I thought it was at the time when I was hypercritical of the way that the Jets were handling the season last season. If at least Zach Wilson had the entire season under his belt, I think we would feel a little bit better about what they either do or do not have in the wake of the Aaron Rodgers injury with Zach Wilson and would be able to move forward with Zach Wilson or definitely have to spend some assets to bring in some help and supplant him instead. So I, I know I was joking about the whole future Hall of Fame thing with with Zach Wilson, but what do you think is more likely? That he is what we saw his first two years in the league and we're just going to continue to see more of that as he starts this year or he has some sort of Geno Smith-like resurgence and just all of a sudden, oh, some sort of light goes off and he figures it out. What do you think is more likely? For Zach Wilson. Well, I mean, statistically, more likely is the former because the latter with Geno Smith, a, a guy who has a resurgence after a decade in the league of being a journeyman. I mean, we, we never see that. That just doesn't happen. That's statistically improbable. So it's certainly more likely, even even with a shortened career here and it not being the same length of time as Geno, that Zach Wilson ends up being the guy that, that we saw him be so far, frankly. But it's not outside the realm of possibility. Like, it's not that outlandish to think that, hey, maybe the Jets didn't handle him properly. Maybe that talent that they saw from him in college, because that was not an NFL-ready quarterback when he came out of college. They drafted him because of talent and ability. They didn't draft him because he was ready to be a starter day one in the league. And I feel like that got confused somewhere along the line with this New York team. And I mean, Aaron Rodgers clearly believes in some of the talent that's there, because Aaron Rodgers made a comment to reporters earlier this training camp of, yeah, I, I expect to be around here for, a, you know, maybe two, maybe three years, and then the Jets get to have, you know, 15 years of great quarterback play, me for two and then Zach for 13 or something along those lines. So clearly Aaron Rodgers believes that there's some talent there. It's Is Nathaniel Hackett the one that's going to be able to pull it out of Zach Wilson, the offensive coordinator for the Jets, a big reason why Aaron Rodgers ended up in New York? Is Aaron Rodgers going to stick around and be a sounding board for Zach Wilson? Or is he going to do his rehab away from the team? These these are things I think need to be answered. Because I think if Aaron Rodgers is around, he can certainly be an asset if he's bought into this team to try to help out the development of Zach Wilson. Meanwhile, Jordan Love's over here like, what the hell? <laughs> and I wonder if that's why Aaron Rodgers made those comments, Gabe, because although you're taking those comments for vase value and believing there what Aaron Rodgers said, oh, well, he must really believe in Zach Wilson for the long run for this team. Or is he just trying to look like team guy, mentor guy, you know, a, a likable guy that he's tried to look like ever since he got to New York because he was anything but that dude when he was in Green Bay. I mean, That's, he was a dude. He was a dude that wouldn't show up to OTAs to help a, a brand new young receiver room in Green Bay, and that's the dude's catching the football, not the dude sitting behind him throwing the football. And that's why I think Aaron Rodgers' actions are going to show you just how invested he is in the Jets. If he sticks around and does his rehab and can be that that another voice, that sounding board for Zach Wilson, then you know he's actually bought in. And maybe some of the things he's talked about, about learning from his past mistakes in Green Bay, especially, I think, a lot of those mistakes that he made a season ago in not investing in the younger players on the team, then you know he's actually for really when he's talking about that. 
if he decides to do his rehab away from the team, then then maybe he actually actually hasn't changed, and he just knows what sounds good mm-hmm. for a PR battle. I could see Aaron Rodgers now sticking around and making it his mission to somehow make Zach Wilson pan out just to like, because it makes him, because it helps the brand, you know, like now this is going to be my legacy when I'm injured and I pop my Achilles and I can't do anything else for the team, but this is going to be my legacy. Now I'm going to be mentor coach guy, you know, and I'm going to turn Zach around and everyone's going to give me the credit because already remember that preseason game when Aaron Rodgers was calling the plays for Zach Wilson and Zach Mm -hmm. Wilson had that really awesome touchdown. And then he, Essentially credited Aaron Rodgers. Aaron loves that stuff. Come on. Oh, we know. Thousand percent Aaron loves, loves that stuff. Loves it. That's what he's here for. <laughs> he would eat it up. I could totally this is gonna be the storyline now. No, the storyline this- somehow, Aaron Rodgers mentor guy is gonna turn things around for Zach Wilson. Maybe that's why the Jets are, are planning to move forward with Zach Wilson. Is he gonna <laughs> is, the is there gonna be a coup is he gonna overtake and just start calling the plays? Just take the headset away from Nathaniel Hackett and start calling the plays himself. Uh, yes. Yes, I could see that. <laughs> Like Nathaniel Hackett, I, I know we're I know we're best buddies, and I know I've defended you uh, undyingly here uh, to the media. But now I'm going to go ahead and take over your job right now. What is happening right now, James? You keep writing stuff on my screen in this game. Plus, I'm trying to watch it in real time, and I can't tell what just happened. Did the Eagles score, and then it got called back? No, there's a timeout called before the play. They they ran that like it should be illegal. Yeah, the QB sneak, sneak. They do, but yeah, the, uh, the Vikings sneak. called a timeout right before uh, they snapped the ball. So still, why should uh, it be seven, illegal? Exactly, because it it's effective. Should, be. should have yeah. been a touchdown, if you ask me. <laughs> Sounds like somebody who bet the over. Sounds like a, a Kansas City fan and an Eagles fan. Uh, I, watched back that, and forth. I watched that play work every single time they ran in the Super Bowl, and I hated it, and I think it should be illegal. It's too good. Well, we just saw so if, very something's, much- if something works too well, it should be illegal. That's that's the stance we're taking here. I just want to be clear, James. Correct, unless it, unless we it works too it. well. Unless it works too well God, for the Chiefs. It worked again, didn't it? They, he just got it in. Touchdown it works every, hurts. It works every time for Hurts, but we also saw it not work uh, with another quarter, quarterback with Hurts' former coordinator. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, Gabe Neitzel filling in for Ian. We'll continue to keep you updated on this game on Thursday Night Football Plus. Should we start being worried about Justin Fields? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more More than than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. The Eagles up right now on the Vikings 10-7. to Anita Marks told you right here on Amber and Ian that she liked Jalen Hurts with an anytime touchdown. We just got that from the Philadelphia Eagles on their last drive. That's the kind of info you want on Amber and Ian. If you miss anything tonight on Amber and Ian, check out the podcast on the ESPN app. It is Gabe Neitzel filling in for Ian tonight. So that's what's happening in that game. Let's talk about some things happening around the NFL coming up. And Gabe, the Chicago Bears were not expected to do anything much this season, but Justin Fields was. So it's like that weird situation where most people thought this Bears team still in a full rebuild, fine. They're still going to take a little bit more time here to really get it going, but he got some additional pieces around him and we saw some electric moments from him last season. So somehow simultaneously without expectations for the team, there were expectations for the quarterback and he looked bad in week one. The excuse for Justin Fields last year was, okay, this team is clearly in a rebuild, ended up with the worst record in the league, and he didn't have any weapons. Their big free agent acquisition heading into 2022 was Equinemius St. Brown, who was a former sixth-round pick for the Green Bay Packers. Packers definitely needed wide receivers last year, didn't care if they had him, and that's who was a starting wide receiver for the Bears last year. But then they make the trade for Chase Claypool. Then they make the trade where they end up with DJ Moore. And... Darnell Mooney kind of developed a little bit as a pretty decent receiver last year. So you think you've got three pretty decent weapons, plus a cool Komets, and you might be able to run the football. And they just did not either trust him or he just refused to throw the ball down the field against the Green Bay Packers. And I think people were expecting at least a little bit of a step forward this year for fields. And yes, I understand. It's it's only week one. But this is a guy who did play a lot in the preseason. And that's a Packers defense that was middle of the pack last year. And he did not look like he wanted to throw the ball down the field or was ready to throw the ball down the field at all Sunday to open up the season. He opened up the season against the Green Bay Packers. So a big rivalry there. And the Bears fans thought, this is the year. Finally, finally, we're going to get it done. We're going to own the Packers. And Jordan Love went in there and he was like, nope. You know, new quarterback, doesn't matter. Same old stuff. And it was the same old stuff for Chicago. They lost that game 38-20. to Justin Fields was 24 of 37, 216 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Mark Silverman on Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000 was on Greeny here on ESPN Radio. And he compared Justin Fields to a very, another notable or, well, notorious anyways, Chicago Bears player. It's reminding me a lot of Mitch Trubisky. Mm -hmm. This kid is ultra-talented in Justin Fields. He's way more talented than Mitch, but I'm worried. I really am. He's got all the measurables. He can throw it. He's a great leader. He's a hard worker. He's a fantastic athlete. He can run the ball. I don't know if he processes the information quickly, and that was Mitch's problem. 
I mean, Mitchell Trubisky was one of those players that for years were like, is he good? Is he? he a lot of promise. Maybe he's going to be good. This is the year. He's going to take a big leap forward. And we saw how that ended up going with his career there in Chicago. Yeah, and, and Trubisky had some players around him, actually went to the playoffs with Chicago you know, within the first couple of years of starting, and then it all went downhill from there, where Fields is taking over really a team that hasn't had a lot of talent they had the most salary cap space heading into this offseason. Didn't spend it all, spent some of it. But to get a true evaluation, I think the next step for the Chicago Bears is trying to figure out something with that offensive line. Because he was constantly under duress. And when you have an athletic quarterback like that, who may be struggling to process the information, as Sylvie just kind of alluded to there on Greeny earlier today, well, it's tough to process the information if you're constantly worried that you're going to be under attack from the, the opposing team's defensive line. They've got to find a way to protect him better if they want to get a true evaluation, but it, it may be too late because they've got to make a decision this offseason whether or not they're going to pick up the fifth-year option. And that offensive line, I don't know where they're going to get the talent for it between now and the end of the season in order to protect Fields, in order for him to get the ball out to some of the weapons they have. Justin Fields was sacked four times in that game against Green Bay in week one. That has everything to do with, I would imagine, (laughs) the lack of processing of information that you just heard Sylvie say, because I agree with you. How can you really evaluate that when he's running for his life the entire time? And we know Justin Fields can run. It doesn't mean that you want him to be in that situation where he has to be doing that in order to stay alive and the play to stay alive. And so it's hard for me coming off of, a week to be out on Justin Fields again. There were times last season that I thought watching him that he looks like he could be the most exciting quarterback in the league. He had those times. And the thing is, Gabe, is that he's on a terrible team. And a team that had been ripped all the way down to the suds that was being rebuilt. I mean, this was the plan. You know, it, it's by design that they were terrible, but they, they knew that they had to completely clean house, rip it all the way down. You have a new front office, a new coaching staff comes in. They didn't draft Justin Fields, but they obviously believed in him to some extent, or they wouldn't have traded away the number one overall pick, right? He is their guy moving forward. He is their plan moving forward, or they wouldn't have felt comfortable doing that. And they've tried to build around him. Him, but the building is still happening. This team isn't supposed to be there yet, and it ain't there yet. What's really curious is the Bears are going to have two chances at potentially getting into one of those top two slots to get one of the two quarterbacks coming out of the draft, presumably. I know Caleb Williams at USC has been a little more coy, and, well, if I don't really like the team that's going to be at number one, maybe I stay in college, maybe I stay at USC. But they've got the Panthers' number one overall. They've got the Panthers' first-round pick next year. Panthers didn't look great. Again, it's just one week, but they didn't look great against the Atlanta Falcons. If they end up with one of those top two picks and they're not sold on Justin Fields, I don't think for the second straight year they end up passing on taking one of those quarterbacks. They did it this year, decided they didn't want Bryce Young, didn't want one of those top quarterbacks. They traded back, and I think that was the smart thing this year because I was still a Justin Fields believer. And I'm not giving up on him yet. But through week one, if we're doing a pros and cons list, it was certainly one on the cons list where it just looks like he's struggling to push the ball down the field, which is what you need to do in today's NFL. I'm really, I mean, that's the one thing I'm going to keep my eye on is what the Panthers are doing and how does that affect the Bears' first-round pick because that could play a lot into the future of Justin Fields in Chicago as well. We're not out on Justin Fields after just one week of this NFL season, but is Mike Greenberg. He was on Greeny here on ESPN Radio, and he discussed it. 
Justin Fields looks lost. Justin Fields has made no progress. I have no idea whether his destiny was or wasn't to be an all-time great quarterback, but I do not think it is overreacting to say every red flag you own, you should be raising right now in Chicago. Again, it's a Bears team that some people had weird, like weirdly had confidence in this team. And they shouldn't have. Even Courtney Cronin, who covers the Chicago Bears for us here at ESPN and NFL Nation, I mean, she kept saying, this is this team's going to be last in the division. And it, she doesn't understand why there was this idea out there that this team was going to be good. You know, they're not going to be good. Look at the pieces on that team right now. Like, they're not there yet. Maybe in a couple of years, they'll be there. But they're not there yet, even giving Justin Fields a little bit more help in terms of weapons. But again, simultaneously, there was also this idea that he individually was going to be good. And normally those two things don't coexist. Well, because you saw, I mean, we saw the potential. You mentioned it. There were times last year watching the Bears where you went, ooh. And because they, yes, they lost 14 games. They went 3-14. and But a lot of those games were tight games going into the fourth quarter or one possession games where maybe they had a chance and they just weren't able to pull it off. So... If Justin Fields improves, well, maybe this team could have gotten to six or seven wins. And maybe they still can. It's just one week. But at the same time, when Greeny says, yeah, there's a lot of red flags here, Fields, over the next, I would say, eight games, the next half of season-ish, has to start showing that development we thought we would see from him this year. Because it is year three. We talked about last year the the, the big jump that Jalen Hurts made. And, And yes, he had a lot more weapons around him. The offensive line a lot better. But you have to start seeing that growth from Justin Fields this year because you have to make that decision on the fifth-year option. Do you want to explore other options at quarterback? These next eight games are going to be really, really important for his development and whether or not the Bears can believe in him as the future of their franchise. I always get pushback when I mention this, but they didn't draft him. He's not Ryan Poles' guy, right? He's not Matt Eberflus's guy. And I do think that that always matters a little bit when you're thinking about whether you should move on from a guy. Those two draft picks, even if neither of them themselves individually end up being top of the draft next year, you probably could trade both of those collectively together and move up to a pretty good position if you're the Chicago Bears, if you need to move on from Justin Fields. But it's only been one week. He still has some time, but he's definitely in a prove-it sort of scenario. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber and Ian rolling along here. Gabe Neitzel filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. And I don't know if this Colorado-Colorado State matchup needed more juice. It's an in-state rivalry, but it got it either way. So let's bring in some help with this conversation. ESPN college football reporter Kyle Bonagura joins us on Amber and Ian here on ESPN Radio. And Kyle, thanks so much for your time. What the heck is Norvell doing? I mean, I think that's what the whole country is asking, right? I mean, he's going into a game. Like you said, it's a big rivalry game. There's going to be a lot of eyes on it any, you know, already. Game day is going to be there the whole deal. Um, and then yesterday on his coach's show, I think he maybe thought he was a little bit of a safe space, uh, getting asked questions by the team's radio voice and in a restaurant um, in town or you know, surrounded by Colorado State fans and takes just like an unprompted shot at Deion Sanders. He says, you know, I don't care if they hear this in Boulder. Um, you know, I took my uh, I took my hat off. I took my glasses off. And he said, when I talk to grownups, uh, I take my hat and glasses off. And that's what my mother taught me. A, a clear swipe at Deion Sanders, who has kind of made a habit of wearing sunglasses and a hat in, in, in press conferences. And the, the, the baffling part about, you know, doing that is like Dion has already shown that he's been monitoring what people say about him. The team monitors um, any negative comments that are made, you know, out, out in public about the, about the program, about Dion personally, you know, and within, you know, hours it made its way back to him and he's already, you know, kind of swiping back on a video that his son Dion Jr. Um, produced and posted on YouTube earlier today. Just, just, you know, if, if it was going to be a, a, a respectful, maybe close game, I, I think there's a little bit extra incentive now for Colorado to, to have, a little, have a little bit more fun with the scoreboard. I mean, how impressive is it, though, that Dion already three weeks in has his team trained to when he starts his speeches, they finish with, they made it personal. Like, we're only three weeks into it. How come these teams aren't learning? Don't make it personal with Dion. It's, yeah, it's just, it doesn't make any sense, right? If you're, if, 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 you know, there's some programs that don't pay attention and don't get caught up in that stuff. Like, Colorado and Dion are clearly like a, a team that uses that as motivation. And, and Dion even said that to the team. In practice, I don't know if it was today or, or, or yesterday afternoon, he said, you know, here we are just trying to go about our business, and, you know, we're not saying anything. We don't talk about anyone else, but, like, if they're going to talk about us and give us ammunition, yeah, they're going to they're gonna take that to heart. And, and you know, they, they made – last week it's game against Nebraska, you know, the, the team was like, it's personal. Well, that was kind of concocted out of nowhere. Like, this week is very – it became personal almost instantly uh, – you know, you talk about how, uh, you know, someone's mother is raising them. Dion even said, you know, you brought my mama into it. You know, that changes the dynamics of how, of how the feelings are going into this one. College football reporter Kyle Bonagora joining us here on Amber and Ian Gabe Neitzel filling in for Ian tonight. So you mentioned there Dion's response. What did you make overall? There was a lot, obviously, more to that response. What did you make overall with sort of the way that Dion is responding to the criticism and all the criticism that is headed Dion's way? Yeah, so I think it's interesting, right? Because I, I think kind of going into that TCU game where he responded to you know all the people who were doubting them, I, I think that a lot of a, a lot of that motivation was concocted out of nowhere. Like we're trying to find, you know, people talking negative about us and using it as fuel. I mean, there's a lot of people said a lot of great things about Dion in Colorado in the last several months going into the season as well. But they've like they've zeroed in on the negative stuff to try to use that you know for their own benefit. 
Um, and so it's, 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 it's interesting, right? And it's also kind of Dion in, in Colorado is operating with a little bit of a new media model where, you know, he didn't, you know, he, he didn't address this at a press conference. He didn't like tweet out a statement. It was kind of showing him discussing the comments to his team and then just posting that video on, on, on YouTube for a way to kind of, it's, it's a little bit of an insight into how the program operates, operates, but at the same time, um, it served as his official response, right? I mean, even on, like, the, the video on YouTube was titled Coach Prime and the CU Buffs Responds to Little Bro, which, of course, is, you know, a reference to Colorado State being the in-state um, kind of lesser sibling in that, in that rivalry. Let's take a step back and take a look at the bigger success that the Pac-12 is happening, because is having, I should say. This conference is going to be ending as we know it. It's kind of been almost a forgotten conference, which is why these teams are kind of splitting off. Yet somehow, Kyle, eight of the 12 teams are currently in the AP Top 25. How is this possible? Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of poetic, right, that they're having one of their best seasons in, in history um, in a year where it's, um, it's a lame duck conference. Um, but, I mean, I think, you know, it starts, with, it starts with quarterbacks, and there's a lot of really experienced quarterbacks that happen to be kind of returning at the same time. So the confluence of events there is, is certainly one reason that the conference is so good. You look at, you know, Colorado all of a sudden comes out of nowhere with this Dion thing, which has been a lot of fun to watch. I don't think people expected that to be the case. I mean, even if you look at, you know, Cal was a couple plays away from beating Auburn. Arizona was a couple plays away from beating Mississippi State. You know, maybe if one of those games goes the other direction, then you're looking at potentially nine teams ranked right now, if just with, with a, a few plays going the other way. Um, it's, it's interesting, right, because the Pac-12 has always been a lot of fun to watch, and there's always been a lot of parity. Um, but it seems like they just didn't get the results in non-conference, like the meaningful ones against – um, top-tier opponents. And, you know, there hasn't been a lot of those opportunities yet um, this year either. But, you know, the Pac-12 is certainly the, the good teams are winning when they're supposed to see so far. And, I mean, it certainly helps that, you know, you have like nine guys, nine quarterbacks have a shot to play on Sundays. Kyle, Kyle Bonagara joining us here on Amber and Ian. Gabe Knights will fill in for Ian tonight. Finally here, uh, Kyle, you, you, obviously you've been covering this conference closely. What is the storyline that Colorado is overshadowing? Because I feel like all we're doing is talking about the Colorado Buffaloes. I mean, USC might like to have a word. What is the storyline that we're not talking about enough from the Pac-12? Yeah, I mean, I think one, one storyline that will be interesting to pay attention to is that, you know, both Oregon State and Washington State are ranked right now. Um, both look real good. Washington State beat Wisconsin last week, ranked Wisconsin. Um, and those are the two teams left behind by, by the, conf- the other teams in the conference, right? So they're kind of hung out to dry, and here they are, two forgotten programs, um, you know, off to, to really good starts. I think Oregon State in particular has a real shot to, to be competitive all the way to the end in the conference. Um, and then, you know, you have the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, is coming back. He's, he's going to generate a, a ton of interest as the season goes along. But, like, right now it's, it's kind of remarkable, right, that you have the returning Heisman Trophy winner playing in – you know, playing in Los Angeles, the like, you know, the biggest college football media market because you know New York is kind of kind of absent in college football for the most part. Um, in a year where USC is, you know, a contender for the national title, you know, any other year that would be, you know, dominating 
the headlines when it comes to the conference, but the fact that it's that it's kind of playing second fiddle right now is a little bizarre. I mean, you look at Washington as another national title contender with a with a Heisman Trophy can, you know candidate and Michael Penix Jr. who's who's off to a good start as well. I mean, it, the the list goes on, right? I mean, when you have eight ranked teams two weeks in the year, there's a lot of really good stuff. Um, to, to talk about, but it's just, it's just it's just wild how much of the you know the attention is being gobbled up right now by Dion on the bus. Yeah, instead we're talking about Boulder, Colorado, right? That is the Dion Sanders effect. Kyle Bonagura, college football writer for us here at ESPN. You can check out his work on the dot com. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, guys. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Gabe filling in tonight for Ian. It is halftime in Thursday night football, Gabe. And the Eagles caught a, a lucky break. It feels like a little bit. They are up 13-7 to seven on the Vikings at the half. Justin Jefferson was right there. Fumbles going into the end zone to catch or to uh, score a touchdown, rather. He fumbles out of bounds. He ends up losing possession. It had been ruled on the field that he was down at the one, and they overturned the call. And so the Vikings once again turned the ball over in this one. Uh, Three turnovers already for the Vikings. One, so we have four total turnovers in the first half. Vikings plus, or excuse me, the uh, the Eagles plus two. But that's that's kind of the big thing that stood out to me in the first half of this game. It's just the number of turnovers. And the Vikings, the odd part about the Vikings turnovers, they're all fumbles. Mm-hmm. Three fumbles have lost all of them. Very unfortunate for that one with Justin Jefferson at the end. They're, they're not playing. They're able to move the ball. It's very similar to what they did last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're able to move the ball. They just have really bad turnovers at inopportune times in the first half. They're just being really sloppy with the ball. They're able to move it, but they can't hold on to it. And it's not Kirk throwing interceptions like you said. It's them quite literally holding on to it uh, as they're running down the field and they just keep coughing it up. This thing has been sloppy. What I'm noticing about this, though, is the Vikings have three turnovers and the Eagles are only up 13 to seven. If I'm the Vikings going into the half, I mean, yes, they're losing, but I feel like that that's a huge confidence booster. Hey, we have done everything to try to lose this game and we're not really losing this game by much yet. This game is still very, very much in our grasp. They're not making bad decisions. Now, they haven't been able to run the ball at all, but that's fine. You have Kirk Cousins. You have Justin Jefferson. DJ Hawkinson has their touchdown in that first half. They're able to throw the ball right now on the Philadelphia Eagles. Continue to make those good decisions. I mean, you're not going to cough it up three more times on the ground, right? Oh, well, you wouldn't think so. Right? I, I mean, it's not, even, it's not even like the Eagles' defense is doing something remarkable. I mean, no. it's just... Them co- quite literally just coughing it up, like, just it, losing it, control. It's not like it was a big hit stick right at the no. goal line that caused Justin Jefferson. Nothing. No, he was Nothing just like trying that. to like get the ball into the right hand to reach it out, and it just kind of slipped out of his hands and went over the pylon into the end zone for a touchback. Kirk Cousins so far, 13 of 17, 140 yards, a touchdown, a no interceptions, been sacked once so far. Jalen Hurts, 10 of 13, 84 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. We will continue to keep you updated on this game. Tune into an NL battle Saturday night as the D-backs host the Cubbies. Coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Coming up next, we'll get you updated on this and round things out here on Amber and Ian. History was made in this Vikings-Eagles game. Justin Jefferson, he topped 5,000 yards. He ties, so I guess it's not made, it's tied. He ties Lance Allworth's record for the fewest games needed 
to reach 5,000 yards at his position. So an impressive career continues for Justin Jefferson. He's got five receptions, 57 yards so far on the night. This game is at the half with the Eagles leading the way 13 to seven. We will get you updated if there's anything else to update you on with Thursday night football action. But let's go back to college here, Gabe, for a moment, because headlines were made by Colorado State's head coach, Jay Norvell, who decided on his radio show, Jay Norvell coaches show on Learfield IMG radio network. He decided to take some shots at the other head coach that he's going to be facing on the opposite sidelines on Saturday. Take a listen. You know, we're excited. Our kids are really, you know, we had to do a bunch of ESPN videos, and it was great. I loved it. And, and uh, But our kids came out of those videos really with a chip on their shoulder. They're tired of all that stuff. They really are tired of it. And I sat down with ESPN today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off and I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught me. So... You know, they're not going to like us no matter what we say or do. It doesn't matter, okay? So let's go up there and play. And so I, that's just how I feel about it. Yeah. And so I don't mean to take over the show, but it's your show. I'm just tired of <laughs> I mean, I'm tired of all that stuff. It's just, it's, it's, and I know everybody else is too. Well, a very pro Rams crowd there, uh, it sounded like. <laughs> sounded like a, uh, some Colorado State fans listening to the head coach. Take some shots there at Deion Sanders. You get Colorado State, Colorado on Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern kickoff in that one. So going to the podium, I just just a quick Google search to see if Jay Norvell is at a podium wearing. Now, apparently he's a guy who likes to wear a visor on the sidelines. So I don't know if the visor is the same as the hat, but he's gone to the podium after the game with the visor on. So apparently the media that covers the team, they're, they're not, those aren't adults. They're mm-hmm. not adults because he doesn't take his hat Either off they when he's addressing them. Or mom didn't teach you to take the visor off, only a full hat. Maybe yes. that was yeah, the maybe parameters that, was that she laid down. Yeah, th- those, are the, those are the fine lines that we're going to be splitting. I don't understand. I just do not understand this whatsoever. Because again, like you're somebody who goes to the podium with a hat on. So, so it must, is it the sunglasses part that bothers you? I don't, like this is just Dion being Dion. And this is who Dion has always been. He's going to be true to who he is. He hasn't really gone after your team, but you've decided as an 18-point underdog, and now your school's getting attention. Like, I'm, I'm also curious about why his kids had a chip on their shoulder after coming out of ESPN interviews. Right. Like, well, oh, I, imagine, I imagine the implication there is that everyone is only talking about Colorado, which, in fairness to Jay Norvell, the only team out of these two teams I have talked about on ESPN is Colorado. I haven't spent one second before today of my time talking about Colorado State. And I would imagine that's where the frustration is. Yeah, but don't you have to do something like Correct. worthwhile in order to yeah, be talked I, about? There's like, been Jay no Nor- reason so, for me to talk about Colorado State. So that's the reality. Colorado State the last two years, uh, so they're 0-1 this year. They went 3-9 mm-hmm. and nine last year. I don't think they scored 20 points in a single game last year. Like Colorado State hasn't done anything worth talking about. If Colorado State does something worth talking about, my guess is we will talk about it on ESPN. I mean, but they've guess taken what? off their glasses and they've taken off their hats. I mean, again, and that's the other thing, man. Why would you want to ever insinuate that someone's mother didn't raise them right? Right. That seems that those are fighting words. You start bringing the mothers into it. 
Because, and he didn't specifically say, oh, Dion's mother didn't teach him to do this. But that's the implication, right? Right. The implication is that Dion wasn't raised right, and that's why he has his hat and sunglasses on when he talks to the media, and he talks to ESPN, he talks to all these people. The implication is, my mother raised me better than your mother raised you. And that, those are fighting words. I don't care what we're talking about. Those are fighting words, right? I mean, the the frustration there from Deion Sanders. But he holds back. He handles it. He says that it's now personal, but he doesn't actually go after Jay Norvell directly. Take a listen to Colorado's head coach responding. Beautiful day, ain't it? Yes, sir. I'm minding my own business, watching some film, trying to get ready, trying to get out of here and be the best coach I could be. And I look up and I read some bull junk that Dan said about us. Talk to us. Once again. Uh, talk to us. Why would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody? All we do is go out here, work our butts up, and do our job on Saturday. Yes, but when they give us ammunition, they unmessed around and made it what? Personal. It was just going to be a good game. They unmessed around and made it personal. It was going to be a great test. A battle. Of Colorado, but they mess around and made it. How incredible is that? Three games into the season, or two games into the season, we're heading into week three. Two games into the season, like he's already got his team trained to say personal because mm-hmm. teams continue to take shots at Colorado. For I mean, again, I guess we can continue to mess around and find out, but we already found out this team's a pretty good team. Shador Sanders is really good. He's got 900 yards passing through two weeks. And yet, okay, let's go ahead and just try to poke them and see if we can make them angry before they take on Colorado State, who I believe are 18-point underdogs, by the way. By the way, also making it personal, the Philadelphia Eagles right now, they just got, they just recovered another turnover on that one's from on the me. Minnesota Vikings. And it's because you said, uh, yep, as we went into 100%. the half, you said there's no way that Minnesota can possibly turn it over three more times like they did in the what first fumbles? half. Like, I just With thought, okay, fumbles. they can't fumble again, right? Well, they already had just three. did. Yeah, I know. Kirk That's on me. Did. That's on the Vikings given, fans. Blame on this me. one, he actually got trucked. So I mean, there was somewhat of a reason to to actually fumble the football. And these other ones, I mean, they got breathed on and they were fumbling the football over the place. But coughs it up. The Eagles, I think they just turned it into a touchdown. They did. So they just scored another Jalen Hurts QB sneak, of course, because it never fails. For the Philadelphia Eagles, they increase their lead over the Minnesota Vikings. I didn't mean to get off track by going the route of Thursday Night Football, but it is ridiculous the way that Minnesota's playing. I mean, truly sloppy with a capital S. And it's not, it's not, I mean, that was defensively a good play by Philadelphia. But I'm not watching this game feeling like Philadelphia is being dominant. I'm watching this game feeling like Minnesota's giving it away. So that's seven turnovers for the Minnesota Vikings in barely six quarters. I mean, just over six quarters of football with six of those being fumbles. Again, it's not like Kirk Cousins is dropping back and just throwing pick after pick after pick. Six fumbles in six quarters seems statistically impossible. 20 to 7. Here we are. Right now, the Philadelphia Eagles over the Minnesota Vikings. Another touchdown that should be illegal. Why, why, again, I need you to explain to me. It's illegal because it works? Yeah, it works too good, so it should be illegal. Oh, okay. All right. Because so, it's just too effective. How about we just, like, stop it? Like, every time they're there in the red zone, we all know that it's going to be a Jalen Hurts QB sneak. Right. And and they can't stop it, so it must be illegal. <laughs> so, so, like, what? So, where, how far does this go? 
Like Giannis is too good at the rim, so he should like mm-hmm. be stopped. Like Giannis can only like That's fine. get to the fifteen feet away. Like I don't where, care about where the does the line where's so. the line drawn for being too efficient and something being too good that it should be illegal? Uh this right here. Because I don't like the Eagles. I mean, we saw that same Shane Steichen tried to run that exact same Jalen Hurts QB sneak with Anthony Richardson in week one. It did not did work. Did not work. <laughs> it did, did not work. Not That's work. why I'm saying the Eagles. They shouldn't, they shouldn't be allowed to so do it. So it's just Eagles. illegal for their team. Even though the former OC, who I think came up with that play, he's now trying to run it at a different team, and it's not working. So it's just exclusive. It's just a Philadelphia-only rule. That one team can't run that play. Anybody else could. Yeah, I think we narrowed it down. Yep, Okay. we're there. Parity. That's what James Steele wants in the NFL. Or maybe he just wants the Chiefs to remain yeah, the best Chiefs. team by far. Q Myers, uh, much more level-headed than James Steele. He's coming up next here on ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 